Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings! Today is Friday, December 4th, 2015, here in the lovely South Perry District. Life has returned to normal. I have begun to sort through which habits I would like to keep and which ones I will let fall to the past. It takes time for me to reestablish patterns after patterns have been broken. The power outage, harsh criticism for pish-posh words, and a handful of other curveballs which were sent my way recently have led me to question some of my daily activities. Which activities encourage me on a optimized path towards health, happiness, and a humble perspective? Some of the habits I had before, which I'm analyzing now, are less than optimal for ideal health. I stopped jogging for a while. I made a myriad of excuses. Yesterday I went for a jog. It felt fantastic to get back out there, even though the ground was icy and it's cold out. I did a quick two mile jog, no biggie, just to get back out there. And I plan to do the same today. Jogging is a habit I would like to incorporate into my life. I do encourage others after a big, life-altering incident or incidents to do the etch-a-sketch, shake up the life, allow the caterpillar to turn into a butterfly, to turn into something greater than what was before. That's my objective now. I've switched out the trinket. In the past, it was Velvet Dog, and I had anticipated hanging on to this trinket until the book was published, but... uh, (laughs) It's time to let go of the essentially psychosis I was feeling, a lack of ability to recognize reality. It's unrealistic for me to have the book in print, in hand, within a week or two. That's not going to (laughs) happen. So now I've let go of past goals, past parameters, ideas of truth I once held. Those are no longer... Now I'm open back up to infinite possibilities. What is possible with the parameters I have as of now? And I do feel a more realistic goal is to completely finish the first draft by December 31st. (laughs) With new trinkets, I tend to have a increased positive outlook. Trinkets offer me a physical world representation of mental changes which have taken place. With the new trinket, Humble Hawk, I am ready to soar above the sky. (laughs) Gain a new vantage point, encapsulate a new type of creature as I discover a new optimized path. On the subject of Humble, I attended the Pucifer concert here in Spokane, Washington at the convention center last week and they did not perform Humbling River. That was the main reason why I went 
to the show was to see the specific song, I was a little disappointed, a little emotional. Once the concert let out, I was confused. <laughs> In my heart of hearts, I remain optimistic. It's not the right time. Maybe the song will mean more to me in the future and to pursue this avenue again. And two, to have respect for Pucifer, for their stage presence. The idea of the show they created did not include Humbling River. In order for me to experience a pink zone understanding of the show presented, I need to let go of how I want it to be. In my mind, if they just played Humbling River 10 times in a row, that would probably be my ideal of a great show. <laughs> I recognize that's not everybody's idea of a great show. And sometimes it's healthier to go into another's pink zone than to remain in one's own. And perhaps that's what I needed, was to let go of control, to appreciate something for what it is rather than what I want it to be. I feel this is the main challenge with critics of Pish Posh Words. Rather than have a pink zone understanding of my perspective, I feel many people want it to be something else, want it to be something they envision as truth or reality. Performance arts, books, podcasts, these types of modalities, concerts, are a creative expression of someone's vision. Appreciating another person's perspective is an enjoyable mindset to have. This is one of the mindsets I enjoy the most because in essence, it's a bit of an escape from who I am and what my ideas are. It's revitalizing in many ways to let go. <laughs> I do encourage folks ingest another person's perspective before modifying. We have ingest, reflect, and modify. Go through those stages, ingest the perspective and the parameters presented. Walk in the shoes of another person. Then reflect on that experience. What are the positives and negatives, the benefits and drawbacks within an individual's own mind, own brain fingerprint? Once reflection takes place, modify, then modify. <laughs> Once an understanding is established towards the experience, think on a grander scale what this could be with parameters mixed up, modify. All right, so for today we have season one, episode nine, Pish Posh Words Feedback 2 for December 4th, 2015. The listener challenge for today is adventure walking. What is adventure walking? This will be a bit different for each individual, but some of the basic parameters are to leave on foot, to investigate the landscape around one's home, or if on vacation, investigate new surroundings, whatever it may be, seek stimuli around the house. On foot, head out the door and allow intuition to guide. I do feel adventure walking is also an intuition building exercise to allow for infinite possibilities rather than an established path. Modern humans tend to have the day pretty much figured out in advance. I think it's healthy to break this, to wander around with no objective, no place to go, just be. 
Another thing that I do is I don't listen to music or podcasts, no headphones. I like to listen to the environment. When I walk around and I hear a car coming, I guess what kind of car will pass me by? If I hear scurrying in the bushes, I wonder, is it a squirrel or a cat? <laughs> I think these types of primitive sensory experiences are healthy. It evokes a primitive hunter-gatherer mindset to roam freely, to question what is going on in the environment rather than simply accept things for what they are in a robotic, mundane fashion. Be an explorer. Evoke a child's mindset. Fantasize about what the landscape was hundreds of years ago. What will the landscape be like in a hundred years? Be in the moment. It's also a present moment awareness exercise. That's one of the reasons why I don't use the phone or have some sort of other consciousness affecting my consciousness. It's a, a solo consciousness exercise. Turn the phone on silent or even shut it off. For me, I like to take pictures, so I do use the phone for that, but not communication-wise. If a person talks on their phone the whole time or listens to music, I think that hinders an ability of present moment awareness. All right, so for adventure walking, on foot, leave the home, have no plans in mind, allow intuition to guide, minimize phone use, and contact with other folks, unless it's passing by. I have had amazing conversations with people I meet synchronistically, the same place at the same time. I do encourage to allow for these experiences to take place in the moment, one-on-one -on -one communications with random people to say hello to a neighbor. When I go adventuring, I tend to bring a backpack I also use it as a core building exercise. I hold my shoulders back, I suck my gut in, and I work on strengthening my core. I spend a lot of the day hunched over a computer or writing. In addition to present moment awareness and evoking primitive thought, another benefit of adventure walking is posture building. I use this as a posture building exercise. With me, I bring water and some food basic essentials, oftentimes I don't use them, but it's comforting to know they're there. And I think that's a part of a hesitation for people to adventure walk is there's an unusual removal of comfort. Many people will live in the same house for years and never walk around the block. Let's change this. Let's uh, get outside, get some exercise and real-world stimuli experiences. Adventure walking. This is something I do on a daily basis. And as far as time, allow intuition to dictate the time. Oftentimes I just feel, okay, it's time for a walk. And then I go for a walk. When I come back, I tend to feel refreshed. Today's episode will go over the remainder of the first round feedback for Pish Posh Words, numbers 17 through 24. The format will be the same. I will read the number, the comment from the book, and then the reader's comment, and then my response to the comment. One of my favorites for this one is number 20. The misuse of tense produces a negative algorithm when calculating logic during analyzation of a speaker. Comment, how does one calculate logic? 
This question offered me abstract thought. I tend to calculate logic intuitively. Breaking it down into an argumentative form using logic became an extremely beneficial cognitive exercise. In life, <laughs> a defense mechanism I often turn to is cognitive exercise, patience building experiment. These are the words I use for life challenges I would label as irritating. <laughs> in the past. Being irritated will not help me move forward in life. Being constructive, compassionate, and logical will. If I desire to pull myself out of the hole I have dug myself into, these are the mindsets which will benefit me. Compassion and logic, perhaps above all. All right, so we shall dive into the episode. Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy. Today is November 20th, 2015, here in the lovely South Perry district of Spokane, Washington. The power remains out for the last about four days. (laughs) It's strange. Since my daily routines have changed, it's a bit more difficult for me to calculate the days. It, uh, this whole week just kind of mushed together. <laughs> On a positive side note, I was able to take a hot shower and wash my hair. It felt amazing. Something I had been looking forward to and I feel refreshed, recharged, and ready to roll. <laughs> For today's show, we are going to go over the second part of the Pish Posh Words feedback. Numbers, I believe, 17 through 23. On another side note, I continue to have fantastic pink zone conversations with people I meet out and about. Last night, the power's out. I am unable to cook food and I wanted real food. as opposed to Triscuits. (laughs) So I went out, went downtown and to the the Lantern and the Perry Street pizza shop, had empowering conversations with two women. In speaking with these women, I felt as though I could be me. I was able to remove my defenses and stigmas and filters, all that uh, subconscious processing was silenced. I was in the moment as well as the other people I spoke with. Those are the types of conversations I hope to have more of in the future. Kind of strange how a power outage will bring people together. Had the power been on, I don't think I would have gone out. I would have just stayed home. And similarly, perhaps for the other people as well, it was a bit of a an oasis. Uh, Many people called 
South Perry's downtown area an oasis. <laughs> Which it is. The power's out all around the downtown, but the majority of businesses remain open. It's um, a gift. I have gone downtown and charged my phone and computer and got warmth and food. It reminds me of old world living when that was common for people to come together and to share their resources as opposed to the individualization, which is uh, mostly happening currently in 2015. I think we as humans are adapting to the technological revolution, to having Netflix and pizza deliveries and all these things where we can, as a culture, be individualized. So I do encourage folks to get on out there (laughs) and uh, think of things a bit more in an old world sense. That's uh, one of the things my friends joke with me that I I sound like I'm from 1930s sometimes (laughs) or the the 1830s or the 1660s. (laughs) And I believe all of us have a bit of that old world primitive sense within our DNA. We are an evolutionary species. We grow from past versions essentially of ourselves. And I do view humans as a species. Uh, We have differences, but in large, our DNA is the same. I do encourage folks to, to look at humans as a group rather than the uh, categories humans are often put into. And those help with subconscious processing to identify objects and make sense of reality. But we have control over this. We can choose how to categorize people consciously. And I do encourage folks to categorize people, humans, as one species and for us to continue on our evolutionary mission of awesomeness. (laughs) Our mustachio, so what is the listener challenge for today? The listener challenge is to adventure walk. That is another thing I've been doing lately after the storm to investigate, to look at how the surrounding area has changed. Oh, yes. Good, good call. Okay. So Mustachio reminded me of a book that I found at one of the little free libraries. These are spread all over Spokane. Um, I've seen them in quite a few neighborhoods. I'm not sure how far they span, but it's really neat. People on the front lawns have little almost like birdhouses, probably three feet by two feet approximately, quite large, larger than a mailbox. (laughs) And there's books inside. And it's like a need a penny, take a penny, got a penny, give a penny type of thing with books. Awesome concept. The majority of times I take a picture, I'll put the trinket I have down in the little library, look at the books, think about the title of the book and the author and what their perspective may be. I do a, a scan, <laughs> kind of like those click-a-majigs at the grocery store. I scan the books. I saw one. <laughs> 
that just tickled my fancy. It is the second book that I have removed from the little library. It is an objective today to bring four books back, to put two into each of the ones that are in the neighborhood here. Um, book is called, If You're Reading This, It's Too Late, <laughs> by P. Bosch. I love its simplicity. It was empowering for me to see a book that didn't have New York Times bestseller and you need to read this, you should just pish posh crap all over the book. This one, only the binding, the front cover and the back have art, spirals and stars. It's a beautiful book, absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I opened it up and there's a binding contract. In the prologue, the first line is, the flashlight pierced the darkness, and that's scratched out. And then the flashlight slashed through the darkness, and that's scratched out. It's, it, uh, this book is similar to the direction I would like pish posh words to be in. I don't want a bunch of crap all over the cover and fancy buzzwords and a picture of me that doesn't represent who I am because it's airbrushed and I fasted for six weeks in order to lose the weight. And uh, I don't, um, I don't want to do that. I don't think it's necessary. Uh, <laughs> this book, B. Posh, uh, Bosh. Wow, that's all crazy for dyslexia right there. A B and a B and <laughs> P. Bosh. B-O-S-C-H. And the book is called, If You're Reading This, It's Too Late. Whomever placed the book here in the South Perry District, thank you. I offer my gratitude and hope with the four books I place in those libraries, a similar sense of joy will be felt. Also in the direction of Pish Posh Words, I like how this author broke the norms. I imagine there was criticism. Oh, you can't have a sentence and then just scratch it out. You can't do that. The grammar police will come and fix it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think books work that way. Books are a brain fingerprint, as we spoke about in the first episode of the Pish Posh Words feedback. A book is a representation of an individual's perspective, and that perspective is gained from life experience, from other people, an infinite number of essentially validating factors happen in the creation of a book. And that's why I get a bit peeved when people tell me that I have to validate myself in the book. Oh, you need to explain why you're able to give this perspective. I don't agree with that. I, I think that's what's wrong, <laughs> immoral. <laughs> yeah, so I just caught myself using a pish posh word. I'm becoming emotion based as opposed to logic based. A more logic based response would be it's less than optimal. The current system we have, many of the views as to what a book is are changing. And I encourage folks, write a book. I feel everyone, everyone. <laughs> 
is worthy enough to write a book. We all have something to say. In writing this book, people have seemingly wanted to knock me down. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Not on Mustachio's watch. <laughs> okay, so thank you to this book and all the authors. I'm looking at a bookshelf, two bookshelves right now, just covered in books. As opposed to putting affirmations all over the house, I'm not really into that. I'm not a big affirmation person. I Okay, that's not exactly accurate. Perhaps I view affirmations differently. This bookshelf is an affirmation for me. It confirms my beliefs in a positive direction, for lack of a better phrase. Oh, here's the garbage trucks. That's another small thing. I offer appreciation towards our garbage men and women, the people who help my life to be much easier. I've had times where I didn't have garbage service and I needed to drive down to the dump and do all that stuff. And for me to just put it in a bin and put it out by the curb, then magic happens. Well, not exactly magic. As in the future, we will go over an interview with a waste management employee. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So yeah, a garbage truck goes by like a dog. I just, oh, what's that? What's going on? Okay, back on track. We were talking about the bookshelf and affirmations. How, for me, I feel comfort in looking at these books and knowing that other people have created books. I can too. One more side note. (laughs) Lots of side notes today. In the last episode, uh, two episodes ago, we spoke about a mentor triangle. That triangle consisted of three women I admire, Tove Lo, Amanda Palmer, and Temple Grandin. For this week, we will present three male mentors in a mentor triangle. And for that one, Amit Goswami, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and Elaine DeBottom. These are three mentors who are on the podcast waves. And I encourage folks to search for their names within the podcast field and other modalities as well. Another empowering moment (laughs) amid the recent despair. Uh, Okay, so to explain the despair, I felt the people I came across all wanted to knock me down, sweep kick me, tell me I'm wrong, tell me I don't have a job, tell me I'm, they're too busy to help me. It was really rough. And one by one, uh, <laughs> the people in my life slowly disappeared. <laughs> and I've needed to reach out to strangers and podcasts for validation. And a recent podcast was on the Tim Ferriss show with Elaine de Bottom. It was the first time I consciously have heard of him. I may have gone across his name before, but I was consciously unfamiliar. It was the day after I received some rough criticism. And the reason why the criticism was rough was because it was a yellow zone. It lacked logic. And that doesn't help me. Just people slinging mud, that, that does nothing. And I had a moment. I was cooking in the kitchen. And that was another 
beautiful component is I was doing my weekly food prep where I chop vegetables and do a multitude of things with them. Cook soup, do like a pasta stir fry with some rice, things of that nature. And I was in the zone, just really enjoying myself for the first time in a couple days. <laughs> Tim Ferriss asked the bottom one of the things he would like to work on, something to that effect. I interpreted his response as conscious communication, what pish posh words is, what I strive for, and it's my greatest struggle is communicating with people. Kind of funny, that phrase, those who can't teach, <laughs> that's how I feel. If I want to be happy within my own life, I feel a need is to consciously communicate with people. I felt a sense powerful, comforted, knowing that someone else has a similar struggle to my own and is pushing forward. I am grateful. Thank you to Tim Ferriss and Elaine de Bottom for taking the time to make a podcast. It, it takes energy and effort and, uh, and another great thing, I looked at the website under events, the comment was, he is in his writing cave right now and there was nothing else. And I thought that is something that I would put under events. Hey, I'm off the grid, I'm doing my thing. I was comforted by that as well, that it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, hey, I need to put exterior life on hold and offer deep focus to some sort of task. And I encourage other people to do the same. Take the time for a, a passion project or simply introspection, self-reflection, learn the self. Take time from external forces. So very neat. Lots of great things have been happening as well as challenges. And these do seem to go together like a pendulum. <laughs> Emotions swing back and forth. Okay, Mustachio says to get it going. Uh, more on the adventure walking as the listener challenge. So what does that mean? It will mean something different to each person. The basic parameters are go outside. No vehicle transportation, just the feet. Walk around the block, however large or small that may be. Maybe it's a rural area and there aren't blocks. Adventure in the woods. Each person's situation is going to be slightly different, but the point is to familiarize oneself with the immediate surroundings. I've noticed I have stigmas and preconceived notions which are false about the neighborhood I live in. That house is this, and then I walk by it and it's not. And two, no electronic devices, no music or podcasts, or it's all about being in the moment, recognizing the walkable, environment around one's house. What is there? What are the sounds, the smells, the sights, those things. And I encourage eye contact and a little smile or wave to someone in passing when appropriate. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes people are just in their own world. That's where they want to be. Greeting unknown people is a skill. <laughs> Strangely enough, I would consider it a skill. It's reading the other person, gauging what sort of 
greeting is appropriate. I encourage that as well. All right, so adventure walking. I bring with me oftentimes a backpack with water, napkins, <laughs> pocket knife, food, just kind of my little basic survival items I like to have with me when I go adventuring because I'm not sure what I'm going to run into. Sometimes too, I'll bring my computer and end up at some sort of place, whether it be a business or a park, and do some writing. I allow the environment to dictate my actions. And I feel that this is a healthy way to spend time, adventure walking. Let the other world beyond one's own physical presence be felt. Okay, adventure walking. Time to get on with the show. The power remains out. We currently are lacking in electricity and internet, but we do have battery operated candles and about 75% of computer battery left. I think we will we'll make it through. <laughs> we shall weather the storm. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and start with number 17. This is the same setup as in Pish Posh Words Feedback 1. I will read an excerpt from the book, Pish Posh Words, a reader's comment, and then my response to said comment. Number 17, I went to the store is an example of the speaker perspective in a self-described tense comment. Please, please, please look up what tense is in grammar. Clearly, you don't know. The definition of tense. Distinction of a form of a verb to indicate the time of the action or state. State. Mode or condition of being. Verb. A word that is the grammatical center of a predicate and expresses an act occurrence or mode of being. Predicate, the part of a sentence or clause that expresses what is said of the subject. Subject, the person or thing described. I went to the store falls within the above definitions as designating a state of being for a particular subject. When I use the word tense, I am describing the state of being. For example, going to the store. This is a state of being, being at the store, as to indicate the time of action or state. Perhaps when offering advice, instead of being redundant, repeating a word several times, offer a listener a pinch of logic within a response. This may be a more constructive use of energy. Additionally, I'd like to know clearly is a pishposh word. Why? Oftentimes people use it as you have, as an ambiguous word in place of logic. Is it clear I don't know how to use the word tense? The example I offered within the book appears to be in line with tense as to mean state of being. I continue to wonder, how do you define tense? Number 18, coming from the speaker perspective, you is synonymous with the listener, meaning it is the listener who is falling from the sky. Comment, you is often used in English as an indefinite pronoun. Technically, the pronoun one should be used when no specific person is in mind. You, I mean you, don't know enough about grammar to pontificate. Please reread the example referenced above. 
there is a specific person in mind, the speaker. The I tense or self-described state of being is a logical word choice in this instance. To use you in the place of I has nothing to do with indefinite pronouns as there is indeed a definite person in mind. To say you in the example offered means the listener when skydiving as opposed to the speaker. Considering the speaker is relaying a personal experience, I find it difficult to argue a logical use of you when considering the context offered. I agree, you is used incorrectly as an indefinite pronoun within English. Definition of indefinite pronoun. Used to designate a person or thing of which the identity is unknown or is not immediately evident. I researched the meaning of indefinite pronoun and was unable to find a reference to you as being an acceptable word within this category as you is indeed definite. The definition of you, the person or persons addressed. This is the definition of you I use, one where the subject is known, where the subject is the person addressed rather than the person speaking. The example I offered outlines a common fallacy of speech one where you is intended to mean the opposite of the person addressed, the person speaking. Do you agree I is indeed not synonymous with you as commonly used in conversations? This is the point outlined within the example. Nowhere do I mention indefinite pronouns. You are correct. I desire not to pontificate grammar as I do not teach English in an elementary school classroom. In contrast, I seek conscious communication with other humans, other adults. I seek pink zone connection where I'm able to experience a shared understanding of the subject discussed. The confusion of terms witnessed within your comment further outlines a reason why I wrote Pish Posh Words, a conscious approach to communication. I desire to create a layperson's guide to conversations. Words such as indefinite pronoun, pontificate grammar, and specific noun are rarely used beyond grade school, rarely heard within real-world application. I desire to humanize language as university degrees are not required to communicate successfully as it appears you suggest. Number 19. Is there a noticeable difference between you and I when addressing a listener? Own an experience conveyed. Speak logically. Communicate from the I perspective. Comment. You have no right to tell this to anyone. The above statement implies I lack a freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is one of the most valued traits I hold. Even narcissistic and ignorant people have something to say of value. Do you believe in freedom of speech as a fundamental human right? I sure do. I've met idiots with PhDs and brilliant street people. Life has taught me, paper on the wall or stacked in a person's back pocket is a poor measure of a person's worthiness. Similarly, word formulation does not qualify or disqualify a person to speak their mind freely. Your above comment is illogical as it lacks proof by reasoning. Explain why. What did I do to lose my freedom of speech? Within my own life, I speak from the I perspective. I consciously practice what I preach and am confused as to your specific grievance with the above statement. Definition of grievance. 
cause for distress, affording reason for complaint or resistance. Put personal feelings towards me and hair-splitting grammar advice aside. Ingest the above perspective. Are you able to understand the message I desire to convey? Past comments and this one imply a lack of intelligence. Definition of intelligence. Ability to learn and understand or to deal with new or trying situations. Mental acuteness. Do you disagree with the above? Would you rather communicate with a person who does not own their individual experience and speaks illogically from the you perspective when intending to describe themselves? (laughs) Good luck with that. I've been there. It's needlessly rough. Number 20. The misuse of tense produces a negative algorithm when calculating logic during analyzation of a speaker. Comment. How does one calculate logic? Thank you for asking this question as it comes from a tell me more perspective rather than no it's not. Questions of this nature, asking for additional information when something is misunderstood is a more productive use of time than illogical statements claiming actions are wrong, immoral. This question displays signs of intelligence. I spent many hours listening to speakers with an objective to increase exposure to logical speakers and decrease exposure to those who subconsciously formulate words illogically. After a few years of analyzation, running algorithms in my mind, the creation of pish-posh words came about. The sections of the book are guidelines for calculating logic of a speaker in most cases. Please note, an algorithm is a procedure for solving problems. The problem is identification of a false speaker a person who lacks logic within their message. The definition of calculate, to reckon by exercise of practical judgment, estimate. The definition of logic, a science that deals with the rules and tests of sound thinking and proof by reasoning. With these definitions in mind, to calculate logic is to exercise practical judgment through proof by reasoning. When I listen to a speaker, I consciously calculate logic to determine if the speaker offers an intelligent perspective with conscious word formulation. The following statement is an example of a logically false speaker. Please, please, please look up tense and grammar. Clearly you don't know. As the word algorithm suggests, I compute variables. In other words, I compare language patterns of speakers. Similar to an equation in mathematics, I visualize the words expressed as variables equaling something. Each human presents a unique equation, a unique set of variables. I compare these equations and analyze patterns. The repetitive nature of a directive and the pish-posh word clearly indicates a high potential for a false speaker. In this case, the speaker uses the word clearly in place of logic in place of proof of reasoning. It's easy to tell someone they don't know something. It's more challenging to prove a point with reasoning. This speaker's statement is within the yellow zone as it is too ambiguous to recognize an intelligent perspective. If the speaker slowed down their thinking, removed the ego, and recognized perhaps their point is not clear, a mutual understanding would become possible. Give people the benefit of doubt. Why would a person clearly misuse a word? 
A pink zone optimization of the above statement would read something like, tense is intended to indicate a state or action of a verb. What is your understanding of tense? This response is a bit more calculated, intelligent, mature. It offers a logical perspective as a means to reach an objective reality. This statement moves the conversation along as it primes the listener in an intelligent direction. If pish-posh words are used, likely the speaker will convey an illogical perspective through subconscious selection of words. The 20 pish-posh words are often too ambiguous to produce a shared understanding. What is a conversation if not to reach a shared understanding? Number 21. The misuse of tense produces a negative algorithm when calculating logic during analyzation of a speaker. Comment. You are misusing the word tense itself. This is well beyond ironic. Perhaps I am misusing the word tense according to your definition of the word. I am left to assume how I am misusing the word and why it is ironic as the above comment is within the yellow zone. The comment lacks logic as there is no proof of reasoning. What is your definition of tense? How is my use of tense ironic when considering I take a conscious approach to communication rather than one of pontification? I desire to use tense to refer to state of being. Several criticisms were made towards my misuse of tense within your analyzation of pishposh words, yet I remain searching for your definition of tense. Perhaps instead of repeating the same phrase over and over, use that same energy to explain your position within pink zone logic. When criticizing others, I recommend proposing an alternative as a means to move the conversation along in a constructive rather than destructive direction. What alternative word do you suggest to relay the meaning state of being within layman's as opposed to grammatical vocabulary? Number two. The foundational emotion of the conversation shifted from enjoyed to hate. Comment. False dichotomy fallacy. People often talk in contrast. So what? Please remember, this book is from my perspective. The older I get, the more I appreciate positive conversations. Mass media, Fox News, The Spokesman Review, and everyday chit-chat have saturated a market need for hateful speech. In terms of supply and demand, this niche is well covered. My objective is to present an opposite perspective, one of positive encouragement as opposed to fear-based directives. Life is short. Time is precious. If I were offered a choice to discuss a topic of joy or hate, nine out of 10 times, I'll go for the joyful experience. I tend to be happier when I'm happy. How about you? What is your ratio of choice when examining hate and joy as a topic? 23. Body language holds great weight when considering effective information transfer between humans. Visualize a continuum with noticeable posture stance on one side and microfacial expressions on the other. Comment. Not another continuum makes no sense in this instance. A continuum is defined as something that is the same throughout or consists of a series of variations or a sequence of things in a regular order. The something that is the same throughout is language beyond words. The sequence of things in a regular order deals with sensory perception, 
sensitivity ranging from highly perceptible to an often hidden subconscious process. A continuum offers a visual aid to assist with ingestion of abstract concepts such as language beyond words. Visual aids allow a mind to formulate infinite possibilities as opposed to viewing concepts as stagnant or absolute. Have you experienced language beyond words? Did you notice a sensitivity level ranging from high, hunched over posture, to low, frequent blinking? These categories are opposite and will exist on opposite sides of a continuum when organized in a regular order. Number 24. Trial and error is one of the universe's greatest gifts as it assists in the calibration and sensation of intuition. Failure becomes a sensei as a warrior mindset develops. Comment. Warrior mindset develops very pish posh. I always wondered why it was such a great gift. Sarcastic. To be blunt, your comment with regard to the above statement is to be expected. A warrior mindset is one of a survivor, a perspective of learning from one's mistakes and helping others to survive similar struggles. Warriors seek to heal others as a means to heal their own pain gathered along the journey of life. Those who lack a warrior mindset often live life with a victim mentality. Victims use pish-posh words, blame others for their problems, and cast judgments which lack a logical, constructive approach. Victims are pessimists. They have been knocked down by challenges and desire company in the depths of their damaged ego. The above statement came to me during a time of despair. With tears in my eyes, I asked God, why do so many people shit all over the work I do when my work holds an objective to heal society through conscious communication? I didn't understand how I could be such a failure in life after grand efforts were awarded towards establishing an ideal career. With each great idea, too, came great failure followed by more failure, with a sprinkle of integrity remaining on top of the shit Sunday known as my life. Each day, I ate this shit Sunday with a smile, pushing forward fearlessly through roadblocks in my way, human and otherwise. The question posed after a few more tears and mental skin knees, would I have it any other way? If offered a time machine, would I step inside and alter the past? No, I would not alter the past. I am comfortable with who I am and feel it is my struggles which have created the core of my being. I am a warrior. Through trial and error, mostly error, thick skin has developed. I possess a warrior mindset. An illogical nincompoop can degrade the work I create and I will still offer him my coat during a rainstorm. Above all, pain has taught me compassion towards those who lack a fulfillment of basic needs. I get it. Life is sometimes tough and other times angelic for humans. We exist on a continuum of ever-changing mindsets ranging from pleasure to pain. My struggle is not unique. If I can help another human through their time of despair, even one human, then my struggles will be worth it. All right, so that is the second part of the comment section. So we will follow the same meta as last time, and then I will give a little commentary. And I imagine Mustachio will chime in every now and then. Scrolling along the 
river looking for the place where I started this show. Not the last show, this show. Okay, number 17. I went to the store is an example of the speaker perspective and a self-described tense. Comment. Please, please, please look up what a tense is in grammar. Clearly you don't know. This comment is a little piece of gold. <laughs> it is a prime example of why the word clearly is a pishposh word. It's in these instances people use clearly in the place of logic. Clearly the sky is blue. Clearly, well, okay, that's great. That's a statement that lacks logic and I feel intelligence. It's too ambiguous to move a conversation along or to be constructive. I view conversations with an objective to be constructive, to move forward. I do encourage folks to remove the word clearly. And this too shows a pish posh mindset where there's repetitive words, please, please, please look up what a tense is in grammar. With all that effort, a logical person would have explained their viewpoints of tense and how it is wrong. When approached with pish posh situations such as this, I do recommend showing compassion for the speaker. I do feel that it's a subconscious word formulation. The person is on another planet. They're, they're not even on earth. <laughs> they're uh, thinking without thinking. I do believe at the core of humans, we are soul-based logical creatures as opposed to ego-based illogical creatures. And I approach these two as opposite mindsets. I don't feel a person is or is not one of those, but rather experience those mindsets throughout the day. They may change. For some people, mindsets are more consistent than others. Mine changes rapidly. I oftentimes recognize when I'm speaking from the ego perspective and I'm able to slow down my thinking and regain conscious soul-based control of the words I formulate. I would say the statement, please, 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 look up tense and grammar, clearly you don't know. A two-year-old could say that. That's kind of, <laughs> that's my rule. If some sort of statement could be said by a two-year-old, then it's probably from a two-year-old mindset and to have compassion rather than step down, lift the person up. We spoke in the last episode about there are no such things as bad students, only bad teachers. I do encourage folks when approached with pish posh to formulate a logical soul-based response. I'll admit my ego was a bit damaged. I thought, oh my gosh, I, I'm just so curious what his definition of tense is. It's like, uh, I feel like a kid on Christmas with a wrap gift and I'm wondering what it is. Oh my gosh. What does he think tense means? Is there logic behind, behind the wrapping? That's what the yellow zone is akin to. It's that wrapping around the gift. People don't know what the gift is until the yellow zone is removed. Then bam, the box opens. That gift, that's the pink zone. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go ahead and move on to the next one. 
Oh, that's right. Mustachio reminded we will read one paragraph from each one as well. Additionally, I'd like to note clearly is a pishposh word. Why? Oftentimes people use it as you have, as an ambiguous word in place of logic. Is it clear? I don't know how to use the word tense. The example I offered within the book appears to be in line with tense as to mean state of being. I continue to wonder, how do you define tense? Number 18. Coming from the speaker perspective, you is synonymous with the listener, meaning it is the listener who is falling from the sky. Comment. You is often used in English as an indefinite pronoun. Technically, the pronoun one should be used when no specific person is in mind. You, I mean you, don't know enough about grammar to pontificate. This is another yellow zone wrapped potential gift. I've experienced similar complications to this where uh, with Trish Blackwell, she offered responses similar to this one using the indefinite pronoun and then you should, it's pish posh. It comes from a pish posh place in that it's ambiguous and lacks logic. I would consider it ego aggressive where I think the person agrees with the message I'm conveying, yet their subconscious doesn't want to change. (laughs) Admitting a habit is perhaps less than ideal is challenging. It's a challenge to change, to embrace new information. Another thing I don't understand is the whole indefinite pronoun thing. When I talk about you, people go, oh, the indefinite pronoun, no, 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 no. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) And uh, indefinite means not known. What I'm saying is the speaker is speaking ambiguously about a known thing themselves. So I don't understand how indefinite pronoun comes up. And also I looked it up and I did not see you on the list of indefinite pronouns. So that doesn't mean it's not possible, but I think this whole statement is false and it's quite ironic that the ending part is you i mean you don't know enough about grammar to pontificate oftentimes when this is a correct use of you but in similar situations where it's not a correct use of you oftentimes i imagine the person saying it to themselves it's really strange and it seems as though it applies i I mean, I don't know enough about grammar to pontificate. And that's what I feel is a bit more accurate. Perhaps this person was questioning their own beliefs. As a result of that internal struggle, there's a lashing out. It's like a little kitty cat with this little kitty cat paw. (laughs) Kitty cat doesn't mean to scratch, it's just confused. And I think it's important to view pish posh words in this light. The person is subconsciously formulating words. So I am curious. I do hope to receive a response. Um, Yeah, because right now I consider my stance yellow zone because the logic has not been confirmed or denied. We spoke about truth. There is no truth to these statements until the other person ingests them because there is either acceptance or lack thereof. 
And that's what really bothered me and continues to bother me about the questions I had asked Trish Blackwell. (laughs) And that's why I keep poking, hoping that we can get in the ping zone. I do have a mission within my life to reach a ping zone understanding with all persons I come across. And I've got about 10 people on my list that I feel misinterpret who I am subconsciously. And I have compassion towards them, as well as I imagine they have a certain level of compassion towards me. And that's on my list of things to do to get those 10 people off my yellow zone list. (laughs) But Rome was not built in a day. And I encourage other folks, think about that. Think, and maybe even do that. Do a 10 list of 10 people within one's life that are in the yellow zone. People who lack a shared understanding of the self. I have a handful of friends and family that I'm in the yellow zone with. And I have a handful where I'm in the pink zone. Write these down. Do 10 yellow zone people, 10 pink zone people run the algorithms. What are the similarities and differences between those two groups? That's one of the ways that I've moved towards a better understanding of myself. And, uh, oh, that's great. Good, good point. Mustachio's chiming in. There's a Gnarls Barkley song. It says, if I truly want to know myself, I need to ask someone else. I agree with that. I think oftentimes we as humans are too close to ourselves to fully gain that pink zone understanding, that shared level of understanding of who we are through another person's eyes. And that's why being in the yellow zone with Trish Blackwell and the university professors at Washington State University and a couple people I've done business with, it just, ah, I remain confused, but... One day it'll all make sense. (laughs) Okay, the definition of you, the person or persons addressed. This is the definition of you I use, one where the subject is known, where the subject is the person addressed rather than the person speaking. The example I offered outlines a common fallacy of speech, one where you is intended to mean the opposite of the person addressed, the person speaking. The confusion of terms witnessed within your comment further outlines a reason why I wrote Pish Posh Words, A Conscious Approach to Communication. I desire to create a layperson's guide to conversations. Words such as indefinite pronoun, pontificate grammar, and specific noun are rarely used beyond grade school, rarely heard within real-world application. I desire to humanize language as university degrees are not required to communicate successfully as it appears you suggest. Number 19. Is there a noticeable difference between you and I when addressing a listener? Own an experience conveyed. Speak logically. Communicate from the I perspective. Comment. You have no right to tell this to anyone. This is about as yellow zone as yellow zone can get. (laughs) I interpret this as to imply I lack a freedom of speech. Additionally, the reason why the comment is yellow zone is because there's no proof of reasoning. There's no explanation of why I have no right 
And then perhaps if he could expand further as to an agreement or disagreement with the statement. There's not, uh, there's nothing of substance here. I feel like comments like this, you have no right to tell this to anyone. That, that makes no sense. That, <laughs> that goes within the two-year-old test. I do remain a bit confused as to why the statement was made. I'm curious, so hopefully I will receive a response and will be able to get a pink zone understanding of why I have no right to say that. Do you disagree with the above? Would you rather communicate with a person who does not own their individual experience and speaks illogically from the you perspective when intending to describe themselves? Good luck with that. I've been there. It's needlessly rough. Number 20. The misuse of tense produces a negative algorithm when calculating logic during analyzation of a speaker. Comment. How does one calculate logic? What's funny about this, is I do think he was being a smartass. <laughs> or not. Maybe that's just the lens that I view it through. But nonetheless, I do feel, regardless of emotion, the question, how does one calculate logic, is a great question. That's one that I was glad he asked because I hadn't consciously thought of it. For me, calculating logic was something I did intuitively. I didn't really sit down and break down a logical argument for calculating logic. It was fun for me. This, this one was probably my favorite out of all of them. And let's go ahead and read a blurb. With these definitions in mind, to calculate logic is to exercise practical judgment through proof by reasoning. When I listen to a speaker, I consciously calculate logic to determine if the speaker offers an intelligent perspective with conscious word formulation. The following statement is an example of a logically false speaker. Please, please, please look up tense and grammar. Clearly you don't know. If pish-posh words are used, likely the speaker will convey an illogical perspective through subconscious selection of words. The 20 pish-posh words are often too ambiguous to produce a shared understanding. What is a conversation if not to reach a shared understanding? Number 21. The misuse of tense produces a negative algorithm when calculating logic during analyzation of a speaker. Comment. You are misusing the word tense itself. This is well beyond ironic. Here's another yellow zone comment. So imagine the gift. This is the wrapping around the gift. I believe there is some substance behind the comment, but I'm unable to identify it. I am blocked by yellow zone ambiguity. And I wonder how am I misusing tense? I do encourage folks, if there is a repetition of something, perhaps alter it in some way. I learned this in business. If I asked someone to do something and they didn't do it, then I'd ask them in a different way. Change the directive. Change the message that I desired to convey. And similarly, if someone asked me to do something that I didn't understand, instead of just say, oh, okay, and put it on the shelf, I would ask for clarification. Clarification is a huge time saver. So within this person's analyzation of pish posh words, 
statements such as you are misusing tense was repeated, yet no definition of tense was offered or a substantive reason behind that. Essentially, the efforts are lost. Without clarification, there tends to be a lack of understanding. So I do continue, continue to wonder why it's ironic. I believe because from his viewpoint, he's looking at traditional grammar and traditional speaking. I'm taking a conscious approach. So I think he's uh, viewing things from a different discipline. So you know, on the first one, we talked about an interdisciplinary approach. Oftentimes, one discipline uses words, and then another discipline will use those same words, but in a different way. Reach a pink zone understanding. Clarify the terms used. I feel that is a much more constructive use of energy than repeating something. Perhaps I am misusing the word tense according to your definition of the word. I am left to assume how I am misusing the word and why it is ironic as the above comment is within the yellow zone. The comment lacks logic as there is no proof of reasoning. What is your definition of tense? How is my use of tense ironic when considering I take a conscious approach to communication rather than one of pontification? When criticizing others, I recommend proposing an alternative as a means to move the conversation along in a constructive rather than destructive direction. What alternative word do you suggest to relay the meaning state of being within layman's as opposed to grammatical vocabulary? Number 22. The foundational emotion of the conversation shifted from enjoyed to hate. Comment. False dichotomy fallacy. People often talk in contrast. So what? And this goes back to the whole boat thing we spoke about in the first episode. How I feel as though I presented a boat and then he filled the boat up with water and said it's not a boat. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> There are other opinions besides the one I am expressing, but what I'm looking for is ingestion of the perspective I present rather than modify and presenting something different. And I'm a bit surprised by this. Please remember, this book is from my perspective. The older I get, the more I appreciate positive conversations. Mass media, Fox News, The Spokesman Review, and everyday chit-chat have saturated a market need for hateful speech. In terms of supply and demand, this niche is well covered. My objective is to present an opposite perspective, one of positive encouragement as opposed to fear-based directives. Life is short, time is precious. If I were offered a choice to discuss a topic of joy or hate, Nine out of 10 times, I'll go for the joyful experience. I tend to be happier when I'm happy. How about you? What is your ratio of choice when examining hate and joy as a topic? I am curious about that. Um, and I put nine out of 10 because sometimes sadness, hate, those, well, I don't know if I'd quite go as far to say hate, but uh, negative speech, negative talks, tackling rough issues, that is a part of life. I don't believe necessarily in a ratio of 10 out of 10, but nine out of 10. And right now I feel many people's conversations and ingestion of media is nine out of 10 of the hateful speech. 
of the all these things are bad. And we at 3H2 want to present the opposite of that. We want to present the joy, the learning, the constructive rather than destructive approach. Number 23, body language holds great weight when considering effective information transfer between humans. Visualize a continuum with noticeable posture stance on one end and microfacial expressions on the other. Comment, not another continuum, makes no sense in this instance. I continue to wonder how this person defines continuum. I genuinely am curious. And I'm curious how, how he uses continuums. What, what is his definition? The one that I go by, something that is the same throughout or consists of a series of variations or a sequence of things in a regular order. And I think most of life is on a continuum. Rather than stagnant or absolute things, there exists infinite possibilities. Um, stimuli, the environment, emotions, thoughts, perspectives, all these components are essentially living. They change and grow and adapt and are magnificent little creations. And I think it's important to view information as such rather than concrete absolutes, singular truths. Explore perspectives. The something that is the same throughout is language beyond words. The sequence of things in a regular order deals with sensory, perception, sensitivity, ranging from highly perceptible to often hidden subconscious processes. A continuum offers a visual aid to assist with ingestion of abstract concepts such as language beyond words. Visual aids allow a mind to formulate infinite possibilities as opposed to viewing concepts as stagnant or absolute. I think in terms of continuums, it's uh, the way my brain works. It was healthy for me to logically break down what my perspective is. This was another one that I kind of took my thinking for granted in a sense. Much of it is intuitive. I subconsciously calculate and think and do things and to move that thinking from a subconscious process to a conscious argument, in a sense, was just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> That's what I needed to get over the writer's block I was experiencing. I didn't understand how do other people view pish-posh words. I only know what's in my own head. To hear another person's perspective, to hear several people's perspectives, really helped me. I do encourage folks who have a creative project to ask a friend to put their eyes on it, or a stranger, or hire someone. Do something to reach a grander grasping of what the project is from another person's brain juice, their brain fingerprint. Number 24, trial and error is one of the universe's greatest gifts as it assists in the calibration and sensation of intuition. Failure becomes a sensei as a warrior mindset develops. Comment. Warrior mindset develops. Very pish posh. I always wondered why it was such a great gift. Sarcastic. <laughs> oh, this comment just... I think it's so funny. A handful of people offered their perspective with regards to this particular statement and they tended to be polar opposite. People either 
identified with it deeply and were moved and thought, wow, that's great, or that it was pish posh, absolute nonsense and made no, no sense at all. After running the algorithms, I've come to the conclusion it is the warriors who view the message, who are able to see it. I think for victims, it's somehow yellow zone. It's too ambiguous to reach a shared understanding. But fellow warriors, I feel we speak the same language. It's a similar discipline. And I encourage folks to look inside themselves, look uh, internally and examine what are the majority of mindsets. Are they of a warrior, one who is a survivor and learns from failures, or a victim, someone who allows a damaged ego to influence behavior? I didn't understand how I could be such a failure in life after grand efforts were awarded to establishing an ideal career. With each great idea, too, came great failure followed by more failure with a sprinkle of integrity remaining on top of the shit Sunday known as my life. <laughs> and that's what, what's funny, I think, when people meet me because I am a positive person, pleasant, I speak nine out of 10 times about joy as opposed to disgust. I think often people think there aren't struggles behind my smile. And with many people, there are. And I've <laughs> noticed a consistency too. Oftentimes it's the really friendly people who have experienced the deepest struggles because they understand the pain and want to live a life where that is minimized. I was speaking to a gentleman yesterday about kindness. My belongings were on a bar stool and I asked if he wanted to sit down or needed the chair. And he said, no, no, that's okay. And I had ran into him earlier at the bar and asked, uh, the, the line was a bit ambiguous. Who got there first? I didn't know. Uh, so I stepped back and you, you can go ahead. And then he said, well, you were here first. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. I tend to like to clarify when there's line ambiguity. So little things like that, clarifying line ambiguity, moving belongings from a, a, a stool, these happen because I'm aware, because I'm a warrior. I scan my environment, I understand the needs of others around me and my basic needs and calculate what is the desired action for this certain situation. And I was speaking with the gentleman and I said, it's kind of strange. Kindness is almost selfish because it feels so much better to be kind, to offer the bar stool and move my things than sit there and wonder, does this person need to sit? Am I in this person's way? What's all that stuff is pish posh nonsense. I encourage people to be a warrior, scan the environment, observe the needs of others and be cognizant of personal space. Also, <laughs> the other day I was down at the shop, the uh, coffee shop, using some electricity, getting warm, drinking coffee, eating some warm food. A woman sat next to me, threw her purse down, was about one foot away from me and about two feet away from her. So it was closer to me than her. 
And I kind of looked at her and looked at the purse and nothing. No, uh, <laughs> my subtle eye movements of why is your purse closer to me than you didn't really work. And for some reason, I became uncomfortable with that. Sometimes I do become uncomfortable when people lack awareness. And also at her table, there was a chair out in the middle of the aisle and just, I think that's a sloppy way to live. More of a communal approach is to be cognizant of belongings and the space they take up and also the space relative to other people. Hold doors open, clean up messes, just uh, these little tiny things make a big difference at the end of the day. I feel mindsets are contagious. Let's be warriors when we're out and about and interacting with other people. That mindset will spill over. I get it. Life is sometimes tough and other times angelic for humans. We exist on a continuum of ever-changing mindsets ranging from pleasure to pain. My struggle is not unique. If I can help another human through their time of despair, even one human, then my struggles will be worth it. And that's how I feel. People have helped me. I want to help others. I've been knocked down and kicked on the ground while I'm on the ground and then kicked a few more times and eh, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep going because Mustachio and I believe in what we're doing. In the last couple days, with the loss of electricity, I've met so many more people than I would just sitting at home, <laughs> working. <laughs> so I'm grateful for the experiences I've had in the last couple weeks. My neuronal connections have significantly been altered. Mustachio and I are excited to get these podcasts out there. It's a bit of a challenge without electricity and the internet. Also, I'm using an iPhone 6 that I'm getting used to. I need to figure out how to transfer the files and all that fun stuff. Challenges help us grow, help us become warriors. And that's it for today. Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.